Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Men From Moto. This is KYT, once again with Josh Frankel. Hey. How's it going, Josh? We couldn't uh, get Kenji again because, I don't know, Kenji just doesn't answer his phone. So I couldn't get in touch with him. He, so he must be busy job. with release events or something important <laughs> like that. Yeah, I mean, both of you guys like are constantly streaming, and Josh, you're notorious for streaming extremely late at night. I mean, I have a friend that works a wacky shift, so he, he gets to stay up really late, and he tells me he watches your drafts, and, <laughs> and he's the one that mentions my name sometimes, yeah, so... Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's been a little it's been a little bit stupid on the uh, the hours of streaming, but it's fun, and my schedule allows it right now, so... Um, so I, so we took a little break because, you know, M13 was slowly getting, like, we talked about all we could, and uh, I decided not to give out, do the prize thing, because not, not that many, enough of you commented on the, on the podcast, and because the prizes were just shit anyways, the rares that we opened was total crap. <laughs> I don't think there'll be so any, I, like, giant protests about that. <laughs> so what I think is a better prize, Josh, is uh, we're going to do the same thing, except that, you know, a lot of these rares don't mean anything to most people if they don't, like, even if we open really good ones, they don't mean anyone to anything to any people that don't play, necessarily play Moto, and, you know, what are they going to do with these rares? So what I think would be a better prize is after we do, like, four episodes, uh, and we pick a winner, and the winner gets a draft set, not just a draft set, but the two tickets uh, along with it so they could actually draft for free. I think that's a lot, a bigger... Prize. Hey, you need to draw some people into the moto yeah. phrase. <laughs> so that will be it. We'll crack a pack at the end of this show. Hopefully I don't open crap. Wait, I can't even... Do you have a pack, Josh? I just realized I can't buy a Return of Ravnica pack. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get a pack, yeah. I should okay. have a pack. And if not, I'll get one. Okay. Um, so one of the topics I want to talk about is a very general topic to me. Um, when going to return to Ravnica, drafting for the first time, uh, I drafted for the first time this week because uh, a week ago my grandmother actually passed away, so I was busy doing that stuff. Um, but what I feel is when I'm considered an above-average player, but once I, when, every time I draft for the first time and I don't check out set reviews... I am always way behind, and, and my first two drafts without reading anybody's set review is 1-2 and 0-3, whereas before, if I read, like, even just skim LSV's, like, rate, uh, like limited rating, I will generally do really well in my first two drafts. But I don't know, Josh, you have, like, natural talent when it comes to evaluating cards right off the bat? Um, well, I mean, it's, even, even, if you don't, even if you don't have the same natural talents that I do, uh, it's still, it's still probably like in the long run. It's it's in your benefit not, to not overly read uh, right. set reviews because that, that way you get to form your own opinions and and figure out you know you get to try out cards that other people may have dismissed or you know it's 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 it's, it's good for developing that skill just making your own card evaluations anyway. But um, yeah, it sucks when you. Uh, Oh three and one two because <laughs> <laughs> because you can't evaluate cards, but <laughs> <laughs> but I know I know it's good for me in the long run. Um, it's just going from my first impression was like going from like drafting M thirteen and getting sort of good at it at some point, and, and going to here and just seeing a lot of 
um, the big mana casting spells and not knowing if they're good or not. Like yeah. I look at, for example, like the five five reach trample for seven in green, or like the eight mana making two four fours. Yeah, those those cards are still tough for me to evaluate, actually. But I mean, I, I think it's 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 not. Those cards aren't about. If are we go are we going into talking about these cards or? Oh, we could, but like, but like, I just want to say, like, going from M13, it's like, these cards seem way too slow. <laughs> yeah, right, right, I see what you're saying. So, yeah, I mean, it's... I think it's, like, I mean, 7 mana and 8 mana is a lot in any format. So when you're evaluating cards like that, you're just... You're, you, you've got to look at them in whatever else your... Sh- like, whatever the shell of your deck looks like and, and figure out whether your deck can get to... Are you accelerating at all? Are you... Are you defensive enough to get to that point in the game? Are these cards high enough impact for your deck to, you know, <laughs> to be worth waiting for? Things like that. I, I like, but I mean, it, it, sure. Like there are formats like Zendikar where seven, a seven mana spell <laughs> might just be totally unplayable, um, right? E- except in the most special of decks. But um, yeah, I mean, I think going blind into a format like this or semi blind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you just gotta. You, you, I, don't, I don't think you want to skew one way or the other. Like skew towards this being a really aggressive format or really slow format. You just want to treat it as an average speed format. And even in an average speed format, seven and eight mana is quite a bit. So you want to make sure that it, you know, suits your deck. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, like seven mana. I'm like thinking, even for a five-five, it's like <laughs> what? So. When I opened my first bag, I saw those two cards. I got confused. And the other thing that confused me the most was, again, I've been drafting a lot of M13. And in M13, uh, the, the, a lot of the cards that require two colors to be good, like really good, um, we're talking about the, man, the Muck uh, Waiter or Water, uh, the Crimson Muck Water, uh, the Harbor Bandits, uh, the Avon... I forget its name. A- anyways, yeah, yeah. you know what the cycle cards I'm talking about. Uh, like Harbor Bandit, like without the two, uh, without being black blue, it's just a mediocre two two for three mana. But it's insane in blue black. And usually I don't draft those cards that high unless I know I'm probably in those colors, except for the uh, red black one because it's still a two one for two at worst. Um, so here, like, when it comes to color commitment, that's, like, the number one question I want to ask you, is, like, how do you decide, like, compared to M13, where I'm trying to stay as flexible as possible, right. but here there's so many multicolored cards, like, what is the approach? So the, the approach here is to actually, I think... Um, <laughs> think? I, well, you know everything. Sure, Come on, right? Josh. Sure. Okay. Um, okay, we've upgraded that. Yeah, yeah. Is... is this is very like this is very different. Like these these two color cards here are very different from Harbor Bandit because there's so many of them. Like Harbor Bandit was a bit of a a, a commitment in M13 because you had to be black blue, and that mean that that meant that uh, that meant you couldn't be black some other color, right? right. In this format, you're not going to be playing red green. You're not going to be playing black white because those aren't guilds. So I mean, very, or very seldomly. Like, it would take just the strangest of drafts, I think, for you to be playing two colors that are not in a guild. So, you almost have to treat guilds as if they were colors. Okay, because there's five of them. Because, yeah, like, what, like, all, almost all of the most powerful cards 
that are not rares are are not only are they multicolored, but a lot of their power derives from synergy that they have with other cards within that guild. So you re- you really want to be in a guild, and it's it's not like it's a it's a bonus to be in a guild. I think it's it's almost mandatory to be in a guild. So it's not it's not okay. the same as the Harbor Bandit cycle of cards at all because that it, it's it's as if two colors are your single color in this in this format. If that makes sense. Okay. So is it harder to stay flexible because you you I guess you have to commit <laughs> earlier, right? Well, I, I actually um I don't you're you're staying a different kind of flexible, I think. You Okay. You don't want to commit to your first and second. It's that that's probably the most important thing that I've learned early on in this format is you you don't want to commit to your first and second picks at all. You want to stay open. There's an abundance of playables in this in this format. You want to stay open to you want to until you get the signal that tells you what guild you're probably supposed to be in because again, a, a lot of the guild uh, the, the guild cards are very powerful. A lot of them um, okay. where the most powerful cards are guild cards, and they're powerful because they play well with other cards in the guild. There's a lot of within the guild synergy, um, especially in some of the guilds. But uh, so so you, it's really important that you're that whatever guild you're drafting, or even sometimes you're even parent, drafting a pair of guilds, uh, and, and you're three color. Um, it's really important that you're in the in the right seat for that guild. So. You, you want to, you, you don't want to commit to your first and second picks, and and, it, and you can get really really punished for doing that. Um, so you're saying flexible, not to the extent where so fle- flexible means something very different here because saying flexible in M13, you're you know you first pick a, a like a murder say, right and, then, right, and then to stay flexible, you're going to take maybe take another black card over maybe a slightly better other color card. But you're gonna you're gonna stay you're gonna try to stay to black until you get a really good reason not to be in black. Whereas here you might you just, you, you just want to be taking the best cards from the packs in the first few picks, but you really have to be ready to just abandon them. You don't you don't want to stay flexible by taking a weaker card that matches up with your first and second pick. I think that's that's a, that's a, that would be a, a it's a very big trap to do that. Um, Josh, my qu- okay. Then my question is: I think in the first two drafts, what I've done to stay flexible is, um, I think maybe I'm doing this too much. Is where I draft, like you said, a pair of guilds. So I try to take the best cards in a certain trio. But I think uh, what you're saying maybe is like even if you've been, even if you pick Golgari the first two picks, and there's like a clear Azorius signal. You can you just jump straight to Zorius, right? Oh yeah, right? yeah. I think there's no. I think that's what you. That's the way you have to approach the format. Okay. You have to be ready to just abandon those first two and three pick, first first two to three picks on a whim. And, and it's not like you like you take that Azorius card and now you're committing to Azorius. No, you you want to you, your first six picks of the draft, seven picks of your draft. You're you're dealing things out. I think that's how you stay flexible by by just hedging in a b- bunch of different directions until the signals are at least somewhat clear to you. Okay. So, Josh, what has been your most successful guild 
thus far. And actually, on top of that, have you been having? How do you think? Do you think you have had success um, in this format so far? Yeah, I've I've had some. I've had. I mean, I'm winning more than I'm losing, which is <laughs> good, I guess. Um, I mean, I'm still feeling things out. Uh, I feel like the, the guilds are pretty well balanced, and, and it's, like I, I feel like any time where I've successfully identified what guild or pair of guilds to be in, my draft decks just look really, really strong. Um, I, I mean, preference-wise, like my favorite draft, my favorite drafts have been involving is it or is it with a splash, but I don't think they were necessarily my best decks. They were just my most fun decks that were also really good, but. Uh, I think I, 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 there is not a guild that I shy away from. Maybe maybe Golgari is is where is I think is probably the guild I've had the least success with. Success with, but I mean even Golgari can be great if it's if it's open. Okay, speaking speaking of is it, I, I actually watched part of the coverage for uh, Grand Prix San Jose, and uh, one of my friends, Lucas Yao, was well he made it to the finals of the GP. And one of the decks he played during the tournament was an Izza deck with Frostburn Weird, which is an excellent card insane, for yeah. those listeners. A 1-4 for 2 mana, and that you can you know do plus 1, minus 1 for a red or a blue. And he played it in an aggressive deck with Pursuit of Flight. Yeah. Um, and that races a lot. Is that a typical archetype, like these two cards? Uh, I mean, I don't think they... like. Just those two cards. There's a lot of other cards. Like even, like th- that that pursuit of flight. By the way, is it's just a great card. As long as you're, uh, as long as you're on the aggressive side of things, there's not too much out there that that really punishes you early. And even if even if they, like, even if they kill it when they untap, a lot a lot of those decks that want that are fine with just lava axing their opponent. Um, uh, remind remind me, Josh, quickly though. Was Spectral Flight a good limited card in that format? Well, I think it was an under. I, I played it a lot. I liked that card a lot. Okay. Um, in specific, that like in, like I played it a ton in in my spider spawning decks gone wrong and like, <laughs> like, in blue aggro. Uh, I, I played it a lot in in, in just the, like any any blue green deck. Uh, I thought it was great. Like on a dark thicket wolf, it was it was pretty sweet, but. And no, Spectral Flight saw plenty of play in Limited, I think. <coughs> yeah, I mean, I'm trying to rem- I'm trying to remember it's a the removal in this format, though. It's definitely right, right. It's, it's better in this format, I think, just because there's there's a lot less ways of, of punishing someone early for for doing that. Like that and the Unholy Strength with Trample are both really great cards for for the aggressive decks. Um, what's what's that card called again? What color is it's it? Black. The- for one plus two plus one, I forget oh, the name right, of it. Right. And for red, you can give it trample. Right, right. That card. That card's just nuts in in a in a racto, like a racto, like an aggressive Rakdos deck actually just wants two of them almost always. I think so far that's my impression. So my question would be for for the reason why like these encha- like I don't remember the removal from from Innistrad, but I think. That are fewer cards, and or, or the cards are more expensive to deal with. Yeah, for sure. The ones that like a lot of the efficient removal has been moved to the rare slot in this format, <laughs> which is it's weird. I mean, it's kind of cool. There, there, there are some. There's a few common removal spells. There's uh, like the the fi- the red fire spell. There, you 
Annihilating Fire? Annihilating Fire, right? There's, like, Stab Wound. But that isn't minus two, that minus really two. deal with it completely. Um, yeah, that just counters the Spectral it, Flight. It counters the Spectral Flight <laughs> and deals some damage, but... Um, and then you have, like, you have the blue-white bounce spell. Like, the two, I guess you have the, uh, the charm. That's that. Is Charm? And yeah. the, you have, uh... I, I, I'm pretty bad with card names at this point, but... Yeah, I'm, like, thinking, like, there's removal spells that, for me, that come to mind. It's, like, the the six-mana white spell, yeah, Trustani's something judgment. or other. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, no, a lot, of, a lot of the common removal is at six, so by the time they're casting that, your guy is gone all the way, so... Like, your two-drop has just killed them. So, like, we should, like, definitely evaluate these creature enchantments higher than previous... than other formats, yeah, let's say. Yeah. I, I, I think for sure. Um... I mean, it's not like it's not like you're just in the clear. You don't want to just go all in on them. <laughs> other things to do with your mana in the early turns, but like you, you can still get punished. But you're gonna get punished a lot less often, for sure, than than more than we're typically used to. Um, have you been? Because you know you're Mister Experimenter. You will go out of your way to draft certain cards and certain archetypes. I do wonder: Have you been drafting a lot of? Maybe even four or five color decks with like Axe Guardians and yeah, and, uh, I, I've I've played with Axe Guardians a few times. I like it a lot. Um, I actually last night splashed a Thought Flare in my green, black, white Axe Guardian deck. Which card? Uh, Thought Flare, I think it's called. It's the red, blue, and three colorless to draw four, discard two. Um, card's nuts, by the way. Trying to look it up. Yeah, Thought Flare Instant. Yeah, three colorless, blue, red, draw four cards, then discard two. Yeah, so I yeah. splashed that basically just <laughs> off Axe Guardians. I had three Axe <laughs> Guardians, and I had about seven total defenders in the deck. So basically, any time I drew an Axe Guardian, I was able to just cast it. it was, that was a sweet deck. <laughs> <laughs> well, any, any, any time you can play five colors, it's got to be pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, Axe Guardians are just ridiculous enablers. Um, but I, I actually like when I'm if I'm gonna be base Golgari or base Lesnia, I, I feel like uh, a lot of the time that's the direction I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be taking the Axeman Guardians pretty pretty early. You want to be ramping in those decks, even if you're not making crazy splashes, and then they just enable. Like once you pick up the third one, and you have a Gatecrasher Vine or whatever it's called, the Gate, gate, gate Creeper. Gate creeper vine. <laughs> Like, We're learning card names on the show yeah. tonight. <laughs> Stumbling through the card names. Uh, yeah, like you can just you can start just doing stupid things with your mana. But like my experience so far has been is that Golgari is really mana intensive to take advantage of. Like for example, Scavenge and even Selesnia. Like there's sort of two types of Selesnia decks. There's the one that's just chock full of pump spells. And then there's the one like with like aggressive creatures and pump spells, and then you have the the ones that are trying to take advantage of populate. Populate, to me so far on the like the normal populate deck is actually really mana intensive. There aren't that many ways of getting good tokens into play for cheap. There's the uncommon Watchwolf making. Yeah. Right, and that's that's basically it. Otherwise, you're 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 populating two twos and one ones which is a lot less exciting. So the way I've seen that deck work the best so far is ramping with Axe Guardians and stuff like that, and you, you've, you've got the six mana and even the eight mana 
populate spells, and then you just get so much value <laughs> off Tristani's. So expensive. <laughs> it, it, it's expensive, but it's not that it, like. Okay, so Axbane Guardian generates just a stupid amount of mana. I've had right, right. I, I actually, ha- you, you, you know, the shade. Uh, the something shadow. The black shade? The black shade that goes plus two plus two? Yeah. I, and yeah. So I had like six lands in play, but I had enough defenders and x guardians to just make it a lethal from 20 every time I attacked. <laughs> you can generate a stupid... There's a lot of defenders in this format. Especially, like, even Ogre Jailbreaker. Like, that guy doesn't lose defender when you have a gate. He just can attack as if he doesn't have defender, so he stills... Helping your Axbane Guardians, right? And there's there's a lot of you can you can end up fitting a lot of defenders in your deck and not getting punished because your cards don't do anything. You know, throwing a couple of over jailbreakers. So Josh, but you're still getting you value. Um, going back to to our like just going quickly back to our uh, very first discussion about staying flexible. Like so so you've. You've done drafts where you're just like picking bomb bomb and then going X X Bane Guardians. Well, no, it, it, right? it, it, no? It'll, it'll it'll more likely be X Bane Guardians X Bane Guardians than I <laughs> start. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not like I think the first the first few picks generally what happens is I'm taking something like one of the Guild Mages <laughs> or like the Rock or the Blue White Rock. Uh, which is insane, or or just like a a sweet rare, or whatever, whatever that I think the yeah. best card is, not necessarily an expensive card, but just whatever I think the best card is, and then uh, sometimes the best card is just an Axeman Guardian. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, you first picked it? Uh, I have first picked it. It was a weak pack. Okay. It's more. Okay. It's more. It's been more like I get fourth pick Axeman Guardian, fifth pick Axeman Guardian, and then I. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'm having fun in this draft. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, I did want to talk about, we, we, we moved from Axeman Guardian to another card. I did want to talk a bit about Axeman Guardian and, like, these cards that um, create mana, sort of, like, Gate Creeper Vine. Well, Axeman Guardian is, which one do you think is better? Uh, there's no... There's nothing better than X-Bin Guardian in that category. Okay. Um, so when it comes to, to drafting and building decks, a, a curious question of mine has always come up where it's like how many... There has to be a, uh, an X limit of these type of cards that you will want in your deck, right? Just because um, I imagine like late game, they're not as great, right? So, I mean, you don't want 10 of them. No, you don't whatever. want 10 of them. I, yeah, there's you're sort of just feeling things out. I mean, once it, it really depends on what you're looking to do. You want to have, you definitely want to have some really good mana sinks. So, like either be it be it a guild mage, uh, be it uh, like just an eight mana, a couple eight mana spells, be it a shade, something like that. Or you you want something like Thought Flare was really good in a deck like that because you get to filter through and find your find your high impact cards, which is why I went out of my way to splash it. Um, I mean, there's, there, like, yeah, I mean, while you're drafting, at some point, once you've got your third Axe Bane Guardian, and there's something high impact, you might want to consider that high impact card. You, you, definitely, want to, you definitely want to have a, a nice balance. I, I think 
like once you're at three X-Men Guardians, that's probably enough, and you don't have to go crazy beyond that. But um, <laughs> well, Golgari Gilmage was a good good one. It's just like it's pretty retarded if you have insane yeah, amounts of yeah, mana. Oh, yeah. no, Golgari Gilmage is a great mana sink, and, and Selesnya Gilmage is a really good sink. And those are like the two green base sink uh, Gilmages. So both of those do a great job of uh, rewarding you for being able to generate a zillion mana. All right. Like the reason I asked this question is because I don't know uh, if you played constructed when uh, the deck Mythic was around. Um, yeah, that's the Bant deck. The Bant deck with like a lot of uh, like birds. Like they, it played maybe eight one mana creatures and Lotus Cobras. And, and the reason I bring this up because I never, I have always, and even at this point, uh, shamelessly net deck a lot. And I never understood the reason why some advanced players didn't like uh, decks with birds. Like, they just hated Birds of Paradise as a card. And I found out, like, later on, uh, because their line of thinking was because they didn't want that low-impact draw off the top in the mid-game. They think that it's a card that's, like, allows you for explosive starts, but when you don't have that explosive start, that deck... To be honest, I think it's a little bit silly, because they're probably going ahead and playing a control deck with 28 lands in it. So, <laughs> whereas the deck's right. playing like 22 or 24 tops. But, I mean, that's 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 neither here nor there. But, right. yeah, no, I mean, so that's, I never... that's, that's part of, you know, trying to build a good... any. I mean, any forget just Mythic. I mean, even just Ramp. We've had plenty of Ramp decks with uh, oh, right. Primeval Titan, and that was always something that those decks had to balance. Like, you've, those decks always had to keep those triple, you know, ramp to six on turn three or four, but no actual six drop in hand. You you had to keep those hands in those decks, but, you know, if you keep drawing the birds or the rampant growths at the top, you're in trouble. Right. Um, so, well, the reason that deck became so powerful is because they had other, like, they had Manland, like Ink Moth Nexus or Wolf Run. Right. Like, other versions of it made it really powerful. So, but they were so still you're, very blank heavy. Like, right, right, right. I, I agree with that. And, like, it, it, like uh, there were many iterations of it where they, like, some of them played four summoning traps, not just because they were against a counterspell heavy deck, but at that time that was just an additional threat yeah, right. to put in, in their deck. And um, I just never thought of it like that. Uh, th- that Well, not thinking like that, but that I had to be conscious of how my deck would work with a lot of... Like, if I had a lot of Gate Creeper Vines and a lot of Axe Bane Guardians, I would want considerable amount of threats that I can draw off yeah, you, the top to take advantage. Sure that, that right, so. The threats that you are ramping into, or first of all, you have to make sure you're actually ramping into something. Second of all, you have to make sure that <laughs> what you're ramping into is high enough impact that it can make up for the fact that you're probably playing something close to 20 mana sources, uh, 20 effective mana sources in your deck. Right. And uh, I just wanted to point that out just because, like, Previously, like a few years ago, I didn't think about that at all. I would just like, oh, Axpring Guardian. Like the old me would look at it, oh, it's a nice card, just put it in, and I wouldn't like consciously think about how I would construct the rest of the yeah. deck. So, yeah. no, it's, it's definitely something to be careful about. You don't want to just move in on, you know, four or five Axpring Guardians if you really can't take advantage of what that's doing for you 
Ooh, Thought Flare. <laughs> what? It's like, ooh, Thought Flare. <laughs> thought Flare was sticking in that deck. <laughs> right, because I'm pretty sure I've made decks in the past in Limited where I basically had, like, I'm not talking about this format, where I've had, like, many Axe being Guardian cards, and I'm, like, begging to draw something significant on, uh, off the top, but it was my fault because I, yeah. I constructed a deck where I was playing way too many defenders, like Durley, cards that didn't do anything. Yeah, the, la- so. the last thing you want to do when you're out of gas is draw another Axe Vanguard. <laughs> <laughs> um, could you, do you think it's wor- <laughs> in an Axe Vanguardian heavy deck, is World Spine Worm playable, Josh? Wow. <laughs> Probably not. You'd have to. You'd. I don't know. I, I'm not going to go ahead and say no. If you have enough, say no. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say no because if you had like four Axeman Guardians and like say four other defenders in your deck, you can get there easily. I. I mean, I've already several times had board states where I can generate twenty mana by turn eight or something. So. Wow, I played a deck with three Axeman Guardians, and I don't think I've ever hit 11. I think I was happy to hit 8 to, to play that, what I felt was an overcosted make 2 4 force card, because I wasn't uh, taking advantage of the popular mechanics. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, even if I was, the 4-4 four four is probably the biggest thing I could populate, right? So, Well, you can um, get like a, the slime molding or whatever it's called. That oh, I, right, that card is nuts in a population. Yeah. I had one in my 5-color... Axeman Guardian deck with some uh, Tristani's Judgments. I think that's the name of the card. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, got one one name right. <laughs> okay, so I'll just ask your opinion quickly of a few cards like we've we've done in our previous episodes that I I I just am not sure uh, or would love your opinion about. Uh, one of them is what's that card called? And I have to like look. It's that one mana of oh, Shaman. Yeah, Death Rite Shaman. What do you think about that? Oh, it's card? really good. So for our listeners who don't know what it does, it, it, you can tap it to exile target land from a graveyard, which adds... Which does zero mana. almost. Next to zero and limited, <laughs> but that's not what you're playing it for. The other two cards, black tap, exile target instant or sorcery, card from any graveyard, each opponent loses two life, or green tap, exile creature card, you gain two life. Yeah, very, very, it's a very, very powerful effect as the game goes on. Um, creatures and spells are going to be abundant. It's, it's both players' graveyard, so you can even hate a random scavenge thing out of, the, out of your opponent's graveyard for, for bonus points. But, I mean, just, just the gaining two life return or uh, dealing two life, uh, or having your opponent lose two life right. almost every turn... It's it's not hard to fuel that guy uh, almost every turn, right? In, I, I, in one mode or the other. Usually, you 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 can you uh, usually have your your pick of which mode you want to use every turn. You don't run out of anything. I, in my in every time I've seen it in play, unless it was like still turn one, it's just fueled forever. Right. I mean, I, I was at 10 against this this thing, and I was like, oh, God, I'm, like, in range of, of death yeah. pretty quickly from this guy. Um, especially if I have to use my spell to kill a, a, another guy that's bigger. Right. Right. That's yeah, you, it, it's big, weird how, like, like removal spells, <laughs> you pr- you almost have to target the death right jam in itself, <laughs> removal spell, or you're just right. going to die to his other ability. 
I mean, he can kill you faster than uh, the Red Wall. The <laughs> <Yep. laughs> lobster, um, lobber crew. We don't. Okay, men from Moto, we don't know <laughs> the names of cars. Yeah. Still, still early. I don't read card names. I, I look at their pictures. <laughs> uh, so, Defrite Shaman, like, there's nothing wrong about it. Like, it's like a first pick worthy card then. Uh, yeah, I've I've first picked it before, uh, and not been too sorry about it. It's not like planned <laughs> first pick, but it's first pickable for sure. Um, let's see what other cards that. Uh, oh yeah, you. Oh yeah, one card I want to mention. You mentioned how uh, you the how to populate like the good populate spells. Use uh, are usually more expensive. I actually played against a guy who had a popular deck. Uh, popular deck, I mean populate deck, and the cheap spell he used to trigger all his awesome population stuff is Centaur's Herald. So what do you think of that card? Do you yeah, think it's oh, a that's, card? That's, that's that an early is, pick in, right. in a Celestia game. Right. I, He's yeah, talking about I, the, green, the guy for just one green mana, you sack him to make a 3-3? Three, three? Yeah, so, yeah, he made a 3-3, three, three, yeah. so that's yep, that's that's, a, that's an early pick. Uh, basically, if 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 you want to be populating uh, even even moderately in your deck, like even if it's just say three or four spells that are okay, even if you're not pop- even if you don't have a token in play, like Tristani's Judgment and uh, Eyes in the Sky stuff like that, um, yeah, the the sort of benchmark for what you want to be populating is a three three or bigger, um, because generally by the time you're able to start populating. The, the two twos and even the one one flyers are not necessarily going to be uh, high enough impact. It's still maybe a little bit of value, but especially if you're gonna, if you're if you're at the point if you want to be in a deck where you're going to be running like more marginal spells when you're not actually populating like the fog or the uh, I mean, rootbound defenses is is still an okay trick, but even then like you don't want to be running multiple rootbound defenses if you're not populating a lot and and one of the and th- that's one of the cheapest ways or it's probably the cheapest way at common um of getting a 3-3 token right? yeah i actually wanted to mention that card because that's how i got blown out basically made the 3-3 with a herald and i attacked with like two 3-3s and he's like root born defenses block with my two 2-3-3s your two 3-3s die and i'm like holy crap like yeah yeah and no that, I, that, like <laughs> I, I no, I still I'm I'm still not sold, sold on that <laughs> wanting, on wanting to be all that aggressive with those. I think those decks still want to be somewhat defensive and just taking over with their what are essentially two for ones every turn later on in the game. Um, okay. By but you know populating with some value. This uh, is just because like even even with that 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 guy that one mana guy. You're not that. You're still not out of the gates that fast. It's it's already turn five or four, I guess, if you drop them early. By the time you can make that second three three, and that's you're not cheating the curve in any way there, unless so unless you you're, you. I, and again, I forget the name of it. Call of the something. <laughs> but the white green. You know, make a make a three three on turn two, and like unless you're unless you're casting that on turn two consistently. Call of the Conclave. Call of the Conclave. Thank you. Yeah, if you're Call of the Conclave on turn two, you can come out of the gate much, much faster. But 
even then, I don't think I don't think you want to. That's the way you want to approach the deck. Because even if you, if, even if you're lucky enough to get two of them, you're still not going to be the most aggressive deck out there. But I don't think I I would want to be that deck. Then I mean it. I mean, there are some cards that are um, that can just take over a game that are really bomby. Um, I feel like I'm not. Maybe it's just my. It's a question of style, but I don't think I want to be like the guy that just slows the game down until I can take over with populate, right? Well, I mean, you still. You, like, ideally, you're still um, capable of doing doing things like what you got blown out. You know, like sometimes that's good enough. But, uh, I mean, if you're looking down, you know, a bunch of 0-4s or 1-4s or whatever, that's not the most, you know, game-changing play until you, <laughs> until you make it to the late game and, you're, and you're, you're, you, you just continuously grind them out with the populate. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you have to, like, reasons to be in that deck are cards like Call of the Conclave or cards like Slime Molding, I think his name is, they can give you like the really the really nice tokens to populate. Okay, but we'll talk about. I mean, even the rare land, right? You get an eight eight token, like that's a reason to enter that kind of archetype. Where where you you're, you're not necessarily the fastest deck out there. You're capable of putting some pressure on the board early. But if you if if the game goes long, you're just you're doing some some very grindy <laughs> but very powerful things. Okay, we'll talk about one last card and then. Uh We'll have you crack a pack if yep. you have it open. Okay, um, so the last card I want to talk about, because I'm not too sure if it's good or not, it seems fine as uh, from someone that hasn't re- read any reviews still. Uh, Seller of Songbirds. So it's the 1-2 for 3 that makes a 1-1 one, one bird. Yeah, I, I, I'm having trouble with this card, too. Um, <laughs> when I, see, I, I've, I, I haven't been drafting him high enough to really... I've had decks by the time my draft ended that actually would have liked one or two of those. Okay. But I don't know where I don't know when you're supposed to be taking those. It's not it's not a very high impact spell, but like I don't know. I I, I mean it's still like defensively it's still two power and three toughness on the board for three mana, which is fine defensively. Uh, it gives you some sort of value populate target if you're playing. Uh, the thing is with that card is I can't think of too many cards that I'd actually main deck, and this is this is why I haven't been taken. I can't think of too many cards that I'd main deck if I wasn't going to be able to populate something better than a one-one flyer. Like I'm not I'm not running rootborn multiple rootborn defenses or fog spells just to get an extra one-one. I'm doing that because I'm getting three threes and four fours and bigger stuff. Right, right. So, like, what exactly is that card enabling? I, I, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I mean, like, even I, if I, it, even if it gives you value on like a Tristani's Judgment kind of thing, like it's that's it's value. <laughs> I guess maybe you want some defense, but I get, I have a hard time really seeing. Like incredible value of the card, where, where it might fit a little bit better, and I haven't actually drafted this kind of deck yet, but I've seen it, um, is just like the mega full of combat tricks, aggressive white-green deck. 
getting two bodies for a deck like that, something to use with, like, say, uh, what's the name of that card? The one where you get two plus one plus one counters, instant speed? Common Bond? Is that it? <laughs> what color is it again? White green? I think it's Common Bond. Well, I'll tell you in a second. It's Common something. It's, uh, Common Bond. It is Common okay, Bond. Okay, yeah. So, like, you know, something to throw those Common Bond tokens on, you get a flyer there, <laughs> get a body on the ground. Even, like, to help you out with, say, the... A card I've actually been impressed with, the four-mana green card that gives plus one, plus one for each creature. I'll tell you the name of that. I have Moto open now, so I can actually tell you. <laughs> Chorus of Might gives you plus one, plus one for each creature you control and trample. That, that card can just push through a ton of damage. And that and, and that the Seller Songbirds might fit in a deck that, that wants to be running one or two, one or two of those. I, I'm not really... 100% sure on that card yet, though. You're making me think it's a bad card. I, I mean, think the best so. I think it's not a great card. It's a role player. It's a 22nd, 23rd card in the deck, I think. I could be wrong, but... I think the best use I've made out of that card was somehow I was playing a Rakdos deck that attacked me with, like, two one-toughness creatures that I could trade with. And maybe it's, maybe it's actually just a sideboard card in, in a deck where it plays particularly good defense. Right. If, if like... The Rakdos deck actually has like a rack racketeer, the two one like uh, lo- sort of looting guy, and then or has uh, the two one haste guy for uh, yeah. black or red. I mean, there maybe next <laughs> ones though. Really, in the Rakdos deck, yeah. Most, like, so, anything with unleash is not next one. Right. So I'm not. Yeah. Like like you like all your arguments make me think that this might. Might be just sitting on the sidelines yeah, for me. It's, it's the, a like, you're gonna have decks. Like I have had decks where I wouldn't have minded one, but it, I like I wasn't too upset that I didn't have one either. It's it's just a role player that it might feel it might just fill your curve. But I, I mean I don't know. You might there, there's some decks where I just sort of I like for example like in a deck where I'm just playing two Tristani's judgments anyways, and I wouldn't have minded another way of getting a little extra value out of it. I'm, it might have made the cut as a 23rd card, but even then, like, I wasn't too upset one way or the other. Okay, I guess we'll just wrap this show up with uh, a crack pack. Yeah. We'll, we'll give our thoughts next week, yeah. or I'm going to ask you after the show in secret, so sure. <laughs> go ahead. All right, give me, give me one second. Uh, do I have a... Hold on. Right. Open one of these. Open all. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> all right, so here we go. All right, so I'll start with the rare. Yeah. The rare is Mercurial Chemister. Uh, okay. The uncommons. Should I say what these cards do? No. You can look them up. Um, yeah, I, I guess you can do the rare. Okay. The rare. So the rare. The rare is blue, red, and three colorless. He's a two-three. Human Wizard. For blue, you can tap him for blue and him, and draw two cards. Or you can play red, tap him, discard a card, and he deals damage to target creature equal to the discarded card's converted mana cost. Okay. There's a lot of stuff going on with this guy. Uh, the uncommons. We've got Aquas Steed. We've got Arrest. And we've got Ooh. Security Blockade. And in the commons, we've got Avenging Arrow, Azorius Arrester, K-1 
Chemister's Trick, Chorus of Might, Electricery, Explosive Impact, Bulgari Longlegs, Hesperia's Skywatch, Rubbleback Rhino, and Terrace Worm. Um, extra points for people who uh, say they're top two, three favorite cards from this pack, I would say. Yeah, I think so. I think so. That'll, that'll make it a little more interesting. Uh, it's, it's, it is a pretty stacked pack. I, I, I don't want to say, I guess we shouldn't say too much, but this is, this is quite a pack. I think. All right. Any last words, Josh? We're going to... Um, no, that, that, that'll do it. We, I guess we, we've been talking a while, so I guess we've covered all the bases. All right, good night, guys. Leave any questions you have in the comments, and so we get to ask your silly questions and not just mine. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I'll bring some questions next week. So like, I don't have to like kiss Josh's ass all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> good night, everyone. Yeah, see you later.